0: To me your secrets. show me your night nice All cats are gray in the dark dear, whether or not you dare, Welcome to All Cats Are Gray in the Dark. I'm your host, April Simmons. This podcast contains true cases of graphic violent crimes and other stories of a dark nature. Please be advised that due to the subject matter and violent, sometimes sexual content and obscene language, this podcast is not for children or the faint of heart. Hello! Welcome to the first episode of All Cats Are Gray in the Dark. And today we have my friend Sahara with us. Say hello, Sahara.
1: Hello. You just reminded me of Mrs. Doubtfire. Really? Hello. <laughs> hello there. are well, hello Hey, whatever works. A southern Mrs. Doubtfire, maybe? Yes,
0: um, definitely. And we also get to find out today if two redheads is one too many. <laughs>
1: never. No, no, never. Enough. Never. Never enough. You can um, never have too many redheads in one room together.
0: Uh, and we have some interesting stories for you today through Sahara. Um. First off, tell us a little bit about
1: yourself. I am 44 years old. I am a widow of three years and recently married again. And I have a brilliant daughter who is even smarter than I am, who I happily homeschool. Awesome. Um, one
0: of the biggest reasons that I have you here today is because you have a story from your youth, that I found very interesting and that I think people who listen to this, if anybody listens to this. (laughs) it's just us. It's just us, but we find it interesting anyway. Um, You ran away from home. How not really running
1: away? We just decided a group of friends and I decided that it would be a really fun and not so stupid idea to go hitchhiking across the country. Um, we call it backpacking with no purpose so we all grabbed backpacks and we struck out walking and ended up hitchhiking across the country
0: mm. um, and how old were you 17 17 and thinking this- that i was actually an adult when yeah. i was definitely not and
1: around what age uh, like around what time period was this It was, I can tell you exactly, it was January of 1993. It was one month before I turned 18. Awesome. Uh, So tell
0: us a little little bit about where where did y'all go and what happened along this trip.
1: We struck out walking, and we walked almost to Corinth, Mississippi, right on the Tennessee border, where we got picked up for the first time by a car full of alcoholic young adult twenties who we thought were amazing because they gave us alcohol and drove us almost to Nashville. And then we got away from them in Nashville and they were going another way. We just ran far enough with them, I suppose. And we started walking down I-40 and got picked up by two truck drivers. Um <clears throat> Like I said, there were four of us all together and Two of us got in one truck and two of us got in the truck behind it. They were apparently from the same company and trucking together. They were trucking buddies. And they took us all the way up to Henryville, Indiana. And in Henryville, Indiana, uh, they were separating, so we just all rode with one of them and rode from Henryville, Indiana to Lansing, Michigan. Now, Lansing, Michigan we kind of all got into an argument of which way we were going to go. I wanted to come back south or west, and they did not. They were not ready to come back home. So after this huge argument between my friends and I, I decided, again, in all my stupidity, that it would be a good idea to separate from them and go hitchhiking by myself. So we were at a truck stop, and... I basically told them farewell and fuck off and found another ride and I left before they did and they kept trying to make up with me and telling me that they were sorry because they didn't want me to go off by myself and stubborn me decided that I just didn't want to have anything to do with them again so I got in the truck with another truck driver and off we went. Um they had just run out of diesel fuel at that truck stop and they were um, about to refill up the tanks, but he decided he wanted to go on anyway to the next truck stop down the road. So, which was only about five miles down the road. So he seemed to be in a bit of a hurry. So we got to the next truck stop and something didn't feel right. Just in that few miles of riding with him, his truck smelled extremely odd to this day. Even being a mortician, um, I'm a mortician, by the way, I have never smelled anything like it before. It's almost comparable to decomp, but not really. I I cannot pinpoint that smell. To this day, I've never smelled it since, and, and I have no idea what it was. But his truck just smelled really, really funny. He talked different than most guys in the fact that On the way, I told him he hadn't gotten his orders yet from his company of which way he was going to go, where he was going to go pick up his next load. And I asked him what happens if I need to go south or west, and he gets orders to go north. And he just looked at me and winked and laughed and said that he would just kill me. I... Just laughed with him, not thinking anything of it. Just, yeah, okay. But something just seemed really off about him to the point that when we got to the truck stop down the road a little bit, I decided that it was time for me to depart from his truck. And I'd gotten scared enough that I just told him that I needed to go to the bathroom real quick. And I left my backpack in the back of his truck, in the cab of his truck, and went in and essentially hid in the bathroom until. He was gone, and he left um, i left I left my backpack in the back of his truck, <clears throat> and then I went up and told the cashier what was going on that I was hitchhiking and that I was a little bit scared, and then I left everything I owned in my backpack in the back of this cab, and she had some friends who were truckers there who gave me a ride out of the truck stop that I felt much safer with because the cashier knew them, and I made my way on. Back through the country and and got back home about two weeks later, safe and sound. Ah, uh, and so
0: how long went by before you saw his face on the news? It was about three
1: to four years later. If that it was, yeah, it was, I'm gonna say it was about three years later. Um, around ninety five, ninety six, I had completely forgotten about him and how creepy he was and and what he said to me. I've laughed about it with friends after I got back home, telling them about all my adventures out on the road. And then um, watching the news, suddenly his face popped up. And it's a face I'll never remember or, or never forget. I'm sorry. It's just one of those, you know, familiar faces. But because of the way he was and his creepiness, the minute I saw his face on the news, I was like, oh, my God, I rode with that guy. I know that guy. And he ended up being a very prolific serial killer who killed, they know of eight women and estimated up to 185 women that they could not prove, but that he boasted about kind of like some serial killers do, but they were able to prove that he killed eight of them. And um, I call the FBI because that's what my friends told me that I should probably do. And they came down and talked with me, and after interviewing me, told me that I was a very lucky girl.
0: All right. And now for the reveal: who
1: who was the guy that you rode in the truck with? His name was Keith Hunter Jesperson, otherwise known as the Happy Face Killer. Yes. And He's by the way, they serving four, five life sentences, something like that. In Oregon or Washington or somewhere, I honestly have not kept up since because I don't really care to. I just wish he had honestly gotten the death penalty and been done with it because I am very pro death penalty for cases of killing women. So, um,
0: I guess I I just it makes me wonder. Like, would do you feel that he would have ended up killing you or at least tried?
1: I don't know. I wonder about that sometimes, and then sometimes I'm just like, no, because one, I was very young, um, and I think the youngest woman he killed was in her 20s. I don't know if he was selective really like that when it came to age, but I made it a point, oddly enough, with every single trucker or person that I hitchhiked with, the minute that I got into their vehicle, the very first thing that I would say is, I'm not a prostitute. I'm not a lot lizard as they call it. I will not have sex with you. I am just a girl looking for a ride. And I don't know if that made any difference or if it would have made any difference. But it, yeah, he I don't know. I don't know. He might have, might not have. Who's who's to ever say?
0: And by the way, there's another podcast that's they talked to his daughter. I think it's Happy Face Killer is the name of it. I have to look it up, but um I'll include it in the show notes. Um, Basically, they talk to her and she kind of has to deal with, you know, that being her father and having to, you know, reconcile the fact that, that he was a killer and feeling guilt and also worrying that she's similar to him in some ways. And I can relate to that too because my father is insane. Your father is crazy. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> your
1: father is my if
0: if somebody if, I, people are always perplexed because i'm like i really do think that if he has not murdered somebody he's capable of it so people are that. always like i can see that yeah capable. people are always yeah. like really i'm like yeah, yeah, yeah. no I yeah. it's he fits the profile and everything she said about him in that, like, he would talk about inappropriate things to her and, and stuff like that. It just reminded me so much of him that I was just like, dear God, you know, that could have easily been my
1: father. You never know. That I've heard it said before that one in a hundred people in the United States alone are serial killers. Yeah. And I believe that. I, I 100% do. And everybody knows at least a hundred people, whether they went to school with them church with them just uh, some people have such a social circle that they have a hundred friends well if there's one in a hundred then chances are you've encountered one yourself Mm -hmm. I really think my dad's it for me
0: (laughs) (laughs) there may be others but my dad's right up there on the on that list It's very possible possible. it's so much so that my sister and I joke because you know he has a like a little lake pond thing on his property that's in the woods. So we're always like, yeah, there's bodies in there. (laughs) It's like, I know that's a terrible thing. We really are joking, but at the same time, it's like, maybe it's possible. Mm. I don't know. Um, Also today, you, you mentioned earlier, which was a great segue, that you used to be a
1: mortician for a while. I was, yes. I was a mortician until my husband became terminally ill, and I had to quit working full-time to take care of him and our daughter at the same time. He was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's and dementia when I was eight months pregnant with our daughter and um, very fast-progressing. He had the same disease that the comedian Robin Williams had, and within the first year of diagnosis, he really had no clue who we were. So, um, I had to quit my career to essentially take care of him until his passing three years ago. But I enjoyed my work, loved my career, um, might even go back to it someday when my child is older. I've always kind of had it on the back burner that I will go back to it in the next few years, maybe when she's a teenager.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, so what got you into,
0: like, what made you decide to become a mortician?
1: My grandmother passed away on my 21st birthday, and I went to her funeral, of course, and looking at her in the casket, she died essentially of old age. She was 81. Um, she smoked two cartons of cigarettes a week. She, it's a wonder that she lived as long as she did. Um, but looking at her in the casket, she didn't look right. Whoever did the embalming job on her did a terrible job, and it made me think that I could do better, that I would want more for other families. I wouldn't want other families to look at their deceased loved ones in a casket and think like I did. If that doesn't look like her, she doesn't look right, they need to fix this. So I decided that I would just become the fixer myself and decided to go to mortuary school. And because another reason is because I was the weird girl in school and it's basically what everyone expected of me being basically the Wednesday Adams with the black lipstick and the long black and or red hair and all black clothes. Not really a goth, just I was a weirdo, I guess is the best way to put it. I was just, I was one of those loner all the time by herself, weird girls. So, yeah, it was, I was, I was Morticia before I became a Mortician, essentially.
0: Um, so do you have any cool stories about that? Cause I know you do already. Cause I, when we first <laughs> met, I was like,
1: tell me all the weird <laughs>
0: things I want to know. Cause I'm morbid like that. I just had to know like what,
1: there's some great ones. I, I, I embalmed a minister one time that had love lifted me tattooed on the shaft of his penis, which was just absolutely fantastic to me that of, of all the things that he would have that. Um, and then there was, uh, a case of someone who died in the heat of the summer, 105 degrees or so with no air conditioning and had very little or no family. And he, um, Essentially melted. We went to recover the body, and when we, when we went to pick it up, it just completely fell apart. Ugh. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad. That was probably yeah, just, my worst case. That's a terrible mental picture. That was I can't imagine. That was awful. There was no open casket on that one. I did do an open casket one time though with someone who was decapitated, and I sewed their head back on. So that was that was one of my most proudest jobs that I did was was being able to give that person's loved ones an open casket so that they could view them and uh, and see them once more.
0: Um, Let's take a quick break right quick, and we'll be back after probably an ad or something.
2: Town isn't like other towns. People move here to raise their children, far from the dangers of the big city and all the things that go bump in the night. And I can see why. From the outside, Tupelo seems like every town USA—a quiet little slice of heaven right here on earth, where Saturday barbecues include the whole neighborhood, and the bad things only happen to bad people. It's a living Rockwell, oozing with pastoral Southern charm, but... What if I told you that looks can be deceiving? Would you believe me? Or would you laugh it off? Call me crazy? And tuck your littles into their beds without a second thought? Well, maybe you should listen, at least for a moment, to the other side of the story. Because I can tell you one thing. Your family is not safe here. You are not safe. Tupelo isn't a Rockwell. It's in Orwell, and I intend to expose the dark underbelly of this town if it's the last thing I do. And it just might be. I'm your hostess, Sarah Locke, and this is City Secrets.
0: Alright, we're back. Um, So finish up telling us a little bit more about when you were a mortician for a while.
1: Um, it's um, it's a job. Someone's got to do it. Um, the hardest cases were, of course, children. You you never want to get a child in. And um, I embalmed a fiance. I've embalmed my own husband when he passed away three years ago because there's no one else that I would have. Wanted doing that, and I, I didn't promise didn't trust him, anyone. I didn't. It's not that you didn't trust anyone. Morticians, most embalmers, and, and almost anyone who works in the funeral business are are trusting people. You'll get a few funeral homes that want to price jack on their prices for things, but all in all, um, most people in the funeral industry are there because they care and they want to help grieving families.
0: Did you ever? You don't name any names, obviously, but. Did you ever come across any necrophiliacs? One.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. In college, of all things, they um, didn't know. None of us knew, of course, at the time because he was just a college student. But years after when when we had all graduated, he was a embalmer in, in in Mobile, Alabama, somewhere in Alabama. I don't remember where he went to. But he ended up getting arrested after he went to the emergency room. And had chemical burns on his penis because he had apparently tried to have sex with a deceased person who he had already embalmed. And when you do that, um, you can get chemical burns from the formaldehyde and other chemicals that go into the body. So he learned the hard way and got, got caught, which rightfully so he needed to because personally, that's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up um I, I, I can't remember how many years
0: ago it was but there was that woman that was pretty much raping all the male cadavers that were coming through and she's she's done interviews and stuff since then she's got this tiny bit of popularity
1: from it just and i'm just like why it also makes me wonder if I don't think it, well, one, they don't call it rape. It's desecration of a body usually. Um, or sometimes they can say gross molestation, which I believe might be the case for her more so because when it comes to, and and this is just science-based, um, a man who is deceased cannot get an erection unless there was a case of asphyxiation or strangulation at death. Um, deceased men just don't lay there with with erections and hard-ons they it just doesn't happen you there has to be I've heard of cases where that's happened but I I guess that's probably rare
0: right extremely rare um also you you were talking earlier about being kind of an outcast in your town um tell us a little bit more about that
1: I think if there was a vote, I would be voted most popular at one time, but not for the right reasons. (laughs) (laughs) I was excommunicated from the biggest church in town for being labeled a satanic witch, which is hilarious to me because, as as a lot of people know who study religion, Satanism and witchcraft aren't even in the same category. No, they're They're not. They're completely not opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to Christianity and, and witchcraft or Satanism, but... But, yeah, there is a wide spectrum there between that. So, yeah, I was the satanic witch. Um, so, no more church for me, which was absolutely fine. Um, and, yeah, I'm, oddly enough, though, being 44 years old now, looking at me, you would never tell that I was who I was back then. Everybody changes. People can change. Um, still that little girl at heart, the the weird one with the black lipstick and everything. But, Not so much so in looks anymore.
0: Yeah, honestly, I mean, I used to. You you met me when I was kind of in my goth phase. Did still, but like, still, the majority of my wardrobe is still black, just because it's stylish. Well, it's but I'm also lazy. I like to wear. (laughs) I I wear whatever's comfortable and bare
1: and clean. You so know, it's like most of my wardrobe is still black, but it's black like rock band t shirts. I'm more of a ripped jeans and, and rock tee. I I guess I'm still stuck in the eighties in some aspects, but it's it's comfortable eighties and instead of the all black velvet and, and shit like that.
0: All right. I think we're gonna wrap it up. We're a little bit over the twenty minute mark and I wanted to say thank you for being on my podcast absolutely um i know it's the first episode maybe we can get more out of it and also wanted to tell anybody that's listening to please give us some feedback because i would like to know if y'all want sahara to come and be a co-host too so let us know know if it it, i'd been looking for a co-host and she said oh i'd do it and i'm like well okay maybe we should do that i mean two head two redheads are better than one right Something like that.
1: That'd be a great name too. Two redheads are better than one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is very wait, what, volume, you know, yeah. which was my
1: favorite movie. I even named my daughter after a character in that movie. What so did I'm you say like, our motto should be? Yeah, talk hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> talk hard. So that may that may end up being it. But um, anyway, thanks for listening. music, and editing by me, April Simmons. You can reach me at mangledfairy at gmail.com if you have a question, comment, or would like to be a part of a future episode. Our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash groups slash all cats are gray, and that's gray with an E. And my personal fan page is facebook.com aprilsimmons19. And I would like to give a special thanks to Our Tupelo for hosting us. And you can find them at Facebook.com slash ThisIsOurTupelo. Feedback is welcome. We apologize for the poor sound quality. Bear with us. We're still learning. And thanks for listening.